Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Craig Caesar. He is the founder of Maker Makers, which translates STEM and STEAM-related content into curated projects for parents, educators, and makers to help kids succeed. Welcome, Craig. Thanks, Mish. Well, I am so excited to have you here because when I met you, okay, so I met you at Medici, Mm -hmm. and you had all these beautiful, amazing, very complex, can I call them puzzles? Yeah, puzzles, I think that's the best way to think about them. They're kind of like little magic tricks in a box. Ooh, Ooh. and and, and it was very Escher. Mm -hmm. It had like an Escher quality to it. So, I mean, how did you get to this place where like, I'm going to make these? It's, oh my goodness. That's it's a big, a, long journey. It is a big, long journey. <laughs> and it starts being a kid, just being fascinated with geometry. And um, I I always admired M.C. Escher's work. Um, and after processing all that geometry for many years, I won't say how many years, but pretty <laughs> many a, years. A few. Yeah, a few. <laughs> um, I, I finally had an opportunity to sort of exercise this. And uh, what happened was that I... I designed a table. It's a pretty cool table. It's cut in three pieces, and then it assembles together. And it's just held together by gravity, so I call it a gravity table. But cool. it has these these designs in the legs that are kind of wasteful, so I had a lot of waste wood when I'm making these tables. So I was looking at it, and Escher popped into my mind. I was like, well, I could, I could cut some of those lizards out of that waste. They'll all be identical, so they'll all fit together, and it, you know, it'd be an interesting experiment. And so I cut those just to set on the tables so that, uh, you know, there'd be something interesting on the tables when I was presenting them. And, of course, people said, uh, yeah, so how much for the lizards? Really? So, believe it or not. <laughs> Who cares I'm, about the table? I, have I, sold, want, I uh, want the waste. <laughs> that's right. I've, I've sold a lot of these lizards. And what's interesting about it is that it's not only less waste to the landfill. When I start with the intention of making one of these puzzles, I know that every bit of that wood is going to be used. Because it's equal, it's all based on equal division of the plane, so that one piece sort of creates the space for the next, and that pattern just repeats infinitely. So, no matter what you cut these things out of, and as long as they're the same size, they all fit together. Oh, cool! I love it that you're still using geometry. I know because there's so many people don't. They're like, I'm not ever going to use this again. But here you are using it in artwork. Mm -hmm. And so, how did that bring you to a place where you were like, I'm now going to do something for the youth, the kids. It actually started um, the reverse, interestingly enough. All right. Yeah. We like that. Right. Um, well, you probably know I'm a recovering technology executive. Yes, right? you shared yes. that with me. Um, so when I left the corporate world, I uh, was blessed with some time to spend with my kids. I have uh, boy-girl twins, and they just turned 13 on Friday the 13th, by the Ooh. way. Ooh. Um, <laughs> So at this point, they were uh, 11 going on 17, no, 11 going on 12, and um, they had both sort of experimented with programming using something called Scratch, and it's kind of a visual programming environment where you just use the language of logic, and you put uh, blocks in place that do something. They move a character across the screen, or they do something. So wait, they had, wait, wait. Uh-huh. I'm not seeing okay. this in my head. Right. As a person that would have no clue what you're talking about, <laughs> how would you? So, is this? Are they digital blocks or are they actual blocks? 
they're digital blocks. There's actually okay. some products where it, it kind of melds physical with uh, digital. But okay, gotcha. the Scratch is something that was developed at MIT, and it's an introduction to the language of logic. So the way I explain this in my classes, for instance, is that at the end of the day, all a computer knows is yes or no. Okay. All that AI stuff is boils down to yeses and nos, just gotcha. a whole bunch of them, and they happen really fast, right? So if you think about a light switch, you turn it on, the light's on, turn right. it off, the light's off. Okay. So if I asked you a question, is the light on? Yes. Yes. If I turn the switch down, is the light on? No. No. Gotcha. Okay. So you're hey, a digital I'm, computer. I'm this part I can do. So, <laughs> so in a graphical um, uh, computer language, what you can do is you have a block that says if this condition, then do this condition. Right. And that's really the the basic building block of logic. So rather than knowing the words to tie those questions together, you just drag a block in place, and then the system creates the machine language, which is ones and zeros, yeses and nos. And it does something gotcha. that you described. So is it similar mm -hmm. like Minecraft? Would that um, be in the same family? Or okay. not, not well, I guess I in a way. In that world. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of in a way, but you're not so much constructing a world as you're constructing a solution. Gotcha. So you have a goal, you want to move this character across the screen. Uh, so you say um, if this character is at this position, move forward two, and then once it's there, turn left. You know, so gotcha. you can kind of just spell out the uh, path. So your kids are messing around. Yeah, with so this. they're they're messing around with Scratch, and uh, my son especially made some pretty complex games out of it. Um, but I could tell he was kind of losing interest because, um, you know, there's just so much that you can do with that right. environment. So I wanted to teach both of them how to code. So I went out and I bought this thing called an Arduino and uh, spent a couple hundred dollars on all kinds of cool parts and pieces. And I'm, you know, I'm a geek from way back. So it was fantastic fun for me too, um, with the intent of teaching them actual programming language. Well, I spent all of my time trying to get the things to work together and the examples <laughs> online. You know, I thought, well, I'm a regional, reasonably intelligent guy. I've spent a lot of time programming. It, right. it should be easy, right? Yeah. yeah but it wasn't. Oh, okay. So at that point, that's that. That's where I started bootstrapping uh, Maker Makers um, as a venue for me to, to teach because as I worked through creating lessons for my kids that worked well, I started to think, well... You know, I'm not the only parent that's struggling with this. I'm not right. the only teacher, and that's turned out to be very true. So it really started with uh, the programming and wanting to inspire kids with technology, show them how to make light and sound and motion with these electronics and the science behind that. I love it. And so that led me to Tech Shop because I had an idea of a part I wanted to include in the class that I would 3D print. So I taught myself 3D um, design software um, and came up with that part. And that's when I dreamt up the table. And so I made the table to put the electronics on to present, you know, at, a, at an event. Uh -huh. And the first reaction was, yeah, the electronics are great, but how much for the table, <laughs> right? <laughs> so this is full circle, right? See, if you ever want to sell something, yeah. just try selling something else first. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I put out whatever I think nobody wants to buy. And that's, uh, that's usually what they'll buy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so how many kids are involved with Maker Makers then? Well, it uh, it varies, really. I've uh, taught very small classes, like in a homeschool enrichment program. Okay. Uh, and then larger classes at Tech Shop. And then I've also um, 
hosted my own classes. Actually, I'm uh, planning to have some in January. And parents have to love it. I mean, yeah. so I learned a term last night. Um, you know, we have millennials, and I was wondering, like, because my daughter's 15, I was like, I wonder what my daughter's age group is going to be called. You know, what is this generation? Right. And I heard screenagers was screenagers. Oh my goodness! And uh, oh. and and you know, there's so many parents that are concerned about their kids being in front of screens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, this seems like a really good way to get them away from a screen. It's very and- insightful. You're you're dead on, and and that's what parents get very excited about. And it was a, a big part of my motivation. Um, I was I felt very glad that my kids were interested in programming, but I could see them losing interest and spending more time just watching YouTube and you know consuming right, rather than right. creating. So this idea of avoiding creating uh, or not contributing to a, a generation of consumers um, kind of inspired kids to think differently about that technology behind the screen. What's what's making that what's making those pictures show up? I love it. Yeah. Good job. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with Craig Caesar. And we are back with Craig Caesar. So, Maker makers, awesome. Mm-hmm. What is there? Are there a certain age group that you? My work original with? intent was for ten years and up. Uh, at the time that um, I was describing, my kids were getting ready to enter middle middle school, which is interesting for lots of reasons, right? <laughs> um, but at that point in time, it it felt to me like, uh, at least in our school district, they were doing a great job at the elementary school level, introducing things like Scratch and these other things called little bits that you can use to, you know turn a banana into a switch and crazy stuff like that. Oh, cool. I have heard of little yeah, bits. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then up in high school, a lot uh, having to do with robotics and opportunities for that, but not a lot in middle school when these kids are really kind of experimenting and finding out what, what they're drawn to. Um, so I, I sort of sensed that there was a, a bit of a void in there to be filled. And um, what, especially having a boy and a girl, you know, that's like a, a great built-in test bed. Right. Um, but I found that my daughter responded to some things differently than my son. And so the curriculum that I developed is very balanced in that way. So that it's not just about robotics. Right. So that, you know, a girl doesn't think, well, robotics, that's just a bunch of greasy boys. I don't want to be part of that, <laughs> right? And a boy doesn't think, oh, art, you know, that's, that's not something that I'm interested in. Right. But when you put it in front of them and you show them, using a simple device and the science behind it that they can make 16 million colors with a few lines of code, they're talk about behind the screen. All of a sudden, they understand that that one little light that's you know kicking out all that color is like one pixel on a phone or one pixel on a TV. Right. And that's where they really start to expand. Um, one of my favorite stories was I, I had a student uh, one time that uh, was attracted to my class because she wanted to make pretty flashing lights for her skating outfit. Oh, That really? moved with her motion, right? Which I thought was a brilliant idea. That's really cool. And it got her in the class. So the first thing I do, of course, when I start the class is start talking about science. And so she was kind of bland. She's like, oh, what, what decision? I just want sparkly I don't know. lights. <laughs> but when we got up to the science of light and combining the color, that was her motivation and she really started to respond, and then she was very interested in the rest of the science. Oh, so how cool! I found it to be very effective in that in that age range. Um, but now I'm just saying ten and up, 
you know, the, the parts are relatively safe. Um, <laughs> they don't blow up Re- often. Relatively. Yeah, relatively. But, I will not but harm truly, your children. <laughs> we were talking about parents earlier. Um, a lot of parents say, well, why can't we take your class? Well, yeah. You know, and why not? I, it was kind of a forehead slapper. It's kind of, well, of course. So what I did was I designed it so I encouraged the parents to attend. It's no additional cost for them to attend. But then they know a little bit about what their kid's doing, and it's not so scary to them either. Because, um, you know, I I have an advantage because I understand a little bit about technology and kind of what to look for. But I I just can't imagine not being, you know, comfortable with technology and trying to make decisions and and guide my kids. Right. Well, and and, I mean— you know that the kids know a lot more about a phone than you do. I mean, I, oh, right. you get where parents are kind of mm-hmm. like, uh. Yeah, your daughter you know. could, you know, get the streaming happening. Yeah. Which she would probably okay. see. I got it. It's still working. Though. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So, and that's also cool because you're, the parents get to spend time with the right. kids and, you mm-hmm. know, their parents are always looking for ways to get kids to pay attention yeah. to them for, at that age, especially. Right? Right. And I think I can say this safely because I'm a father. I'm a dude. <laughs> 3D printers really get the guys to show up. I bet. which is not always the case. Right. And so it's I've just found it to be a really interesting mix of drawing across different age groups and interest levels and everybody gets a, something a little bit different out of it. Well, it's so fascinating the whole 3D printing thing. I mean, oh, you is. know, when you start thinking of all the things you can do with it. I mean, uh-huh. it's it's one of I think it's a universal that people are interested in that yeah. sort of technology, so. There is a downside. What's the downside? Well, our dishwasher broke recently. So I was able to 3D design <laughs> a part to fix it. So my wife didn't get downside. Well, my wife didn't get a new dishwasher oh. the way she might have preferred, but Well, I got it. Yeah. But still, I like that. I yeah. like the thought that it, you can go print. That's really right. cool. Yeah. So not right now on on, you know, the space station and places like where space is at a premium, right. it's difficult to know what you're going to need. If they need to design a part, they um, either design it up there or an engineering team here does and beams it up and they just print what they need. Which is fascinating. I mean, and and, uh, how cool. I love that. But, you know. It doesn't get old watching it. It's so fun. You know, just lays things down a layer at a time. It's just amazing to watch it Yeah, it's kind of meditative, Uh you know. I mean, because I've seen them. We've had them at TEDx before. Mm -hmm. They've had the 3D printers, and I could just, like, kind of zen out watching that. (laughs) You can. They have the soothing back and forth, you know. I'm telling you. (laughs) So I also know you're a band guy. Yes. Talk about your band stuff. Oh, my. Well, music's just a huge part of my life, and it's a big part of my story, really. Because I started out studying the violin, and uh, my my grandfather was a fiddle player and a square dance caller, so I was always attracted to his shiny rhinestone crusted violin that I could never touch. <laughs> so when I finally got a chance to touch a violin, that's what I wanted to do. And so I studied classical violin all the way through college. Was going to be a performance major, but then I got married, and kind of priorities changed, and the eight to ten hours of practice a, a day was wearing a little thin. Gotcha. So. I decided it would be better to pursue another passion, which was technology and programming, and just do that for fun. So that's kind of how it's worked out. Gotcha. I did. I was a rock star. Really? Yeah. Really? Um, Tell us. Well, back in the 80s, I uh, was part of a band that, that we, we were pretty successful locally. We had some interest from MCA in Nashville. Really? 
Really? Uh, so I, I was proud of calling myself an underemployed professional musician for a number of years. <laughs> what was the band? Uh, the name of the band was Matrix. And actually, I've reconnected with my buddies. We've known each other since I was in junior high school. Um, and so we're we're playing locally as Shiver now. Shiver. Yeah. So we what play kind all of the music? Good old stuff. Everything from Alice Cooper to um, we cover some Blondie. I mean, it's all over the map. Oh, fun. Weird, wonderful, and wacky. Weird, perfect mm-hmm. for me. I need yeah. to come to a show. It's a little on the harder edge. Oh, I, I, I'm I'm like a punk. Yeah, that's right. You, yeah, I'm so sure you'd find something could, that you like in there. I could get into. Well, and you know, I kind of. I mean, and I do like. Um, I don't know. We, in fact, I just had um, Connor Murphy from Foxing. Uh-huh. He he was on the podcast, and we were talking about how you know we're like these really loving people, but we mm-hmm. kind of like that little like dark stuff. <laughs> and I <laughs> right. said, well, I actually think that. Maybe uh, that's a good way to channel mm-hmm. anger and and sadness and that kind of like through Absolutely. your music as yeah. opposed to running around with a gun. You know, let's just channel it through it's the music. It's all in there. You might as well. You might as well be present with it, right? Rather right. Rather than ignore yeah. it or let it do it's, something. It's got to go somewhere, and, right. and you want it to go somewhere that's a little healthier mm-hmm. than you know hurting people. So right. yeah, let's let's go let's go with music. Yeah. I'm always for the music. Yeah. Well, awesome. So I, I play bass in that band. Um, I was taught violin, and then I taught myself how to play guitar and drums and piano, and um, I, I'm a pretty decent singer. So um, it's one of those things where I've always had to find extra time to do that, but mm-hmm. I'm finally to the point where I can make that a really strong part of my life. And I always found that when I would be away from playing the violin, for instance, for a while, I would start over without some of the the uh, problems that I developed. You know, kind of like when I haven't played golf for a while. Right, I've, got, right, I've right. got a great golf game, but as soon as I think about it, you know, it's a different <laughs> story. So each time I would go back to the basics and almost relearn and forget some of those bad habits. And uh, so at this point, it's easier for me to play the violin than to, to talk or to sing or to do anything. It's just... Really? It's just a part of me. And it's... Um, I think that's part of what has inspired me to teach is that I learned at a very early age to be, you know, conscious of what I was doing well, what I could improve, how I reacted in different situations. And so I'm finding more and more that there's other skills that I have that I've always gone back to, like design, like just making art for the joy of making art, that have matured somewhere in the back of my mind over these years where I was focused more on being a corporate presence and chasing the dollar and all that kind of stuff. Right. Got so you. I'm really enjoying exploring that and encouraging uh, not just kids, but other people to think differently about what they're doing. You know, yeah, what, what are you really passionate about? What do you keep coming back to that geometry? You know, it, it just, it was back there churning and I was always thinking about it, but I never had a venue to exercise it. But man, once it had a voice, I mean, it's, it's, it's taken on a life of its cool own. Things. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, good for you. And yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of deeper lessons in all of this, right? Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Well, we were we're gonna take another quick break and we'll be back with Craig Caesar in just a moment.
And we are back with Craig Caesar, and I have some questions for you, sir. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. So this is meant to just take us out of our whole conversation into something, you know, a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So you're working with these kids, and I feel, and I would love to get your opinion on this, I feel like our schools are not keeping up with the kids when in their interests. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're losing a lot of kids. And and I'm just judging from my daughter and talking to her friends, I feel like they're not very interested. Like there's something that's missing in our schools. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about this at all? I have. I'm ready to listen. Okay. Well, we already talked about my feelings on middle school and um, kind of choices. I think that uh, teachers are so heavily burdened with um, providing data that demonstrate specific results that someone's looking for that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with my kids. Yes. So there's a tremendous amount of money and effort spent to have the report show up. And I know how important that is. Right. To, you know, justify funding, to sort of have a, you know, an economy behind where the energy is being spent. But I just wish there was a way that teachers could have kind of a I don't know, a buffer or a, a button they could press when well, it says, this is really not doing anything for my kids. This right. is not a good use of their time well, and or allow time. them to teach, like right. to be, cre- you know, I mean, I feel like a lot of teachers now just say, here's the program, mm-hmm. stick to that program. Right. Don't, don't be creative, Yeah. you know, and I don't well, think let's that that's face it, necessarily it's, good for everybody. No, and it, it's exhausting work. I, did, I just have so much admiration for people that do that. You know, day in and day out, um, they really have a heart for it. But I, I think, again, they're under you know some pressures that we don't fully understand. And I know that I'm usually pretty tired when I get home and and uh, call it a day. But I just can't imagine getting home and then having to think about the next day and right. you know all the preparation, all that stuff. Just teaching, you know, the way that I do. I, I get home and I'm exhausted. <laughs> and you don't have to grade papers, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> See, so <laughs> you got that figured out. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so of the maker culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a movement. Yeah. This whole culture. I mean, so I saw, and I, I just wanted your opinion on this. I saw something that said it's it's tech DIY, it's, it's DIY for techies. Okay. is what they were calling this maker culture. Do you feel like that makes sense? Yeah, I think so. Is that the way so. to call it, what to call it? Kind of like me, you know, making a part for my dishwasher. Okay. So, uh, you know, not anything that I do for money, um, but it was a problem that I had and I was able to find the solution. I think that that's kind of the draw. People that like seeing a problem and coming up with a better mousetrap or just have an interesting idea and want to see if it's possible. You know? Right. Can you do this? Oh, you can. You can make that thing. So does anyone come to you, and this is not one of my other questions, this is just why I want to, I but <laughs> does anyone come to you with an idea and say, I have this idea, is this a possibility? Oh my goodness. Yeah, a lot. Oh. Especially now that I'm kind of getting a, a reputation for having an affinity for that. Right. The bar, the bar napkin conversations are so interesting. Um, I'll have somebody come up and say, I've, I've been, you know, I've had this idea for like five years and I've talked to a couple of people and it's never gotten any traction. And so they'll draw out the picture, or this actually happened, um, draw out the picture on a napkin, yeah, an actual napkin. Yeah. And um, I go down into my office and 3D model that and kind of create an engineering drawing and turn it around within an hour or so. What? Yeah, and that, that's their reaction. It's so fun. Oh, So that's, fun. that's what keeps because, me coming back. Because, you know, there's like, 
I have ideas, but I would mm-hmm. not have one clue how to make it happen. Like yeah. when it comes to the the techie sciencey, no, mm-hmm. that's not Mish's head. You yeah. know, I uh-huh. mean, you want to awesome video production show I can help you out I but. do want one <laughs> well then we should we will talk we yeah we, we need each other's skill sets exactly yeah. oh awesome okay uh-huh. that's yeah. so cool I love I love when somebody can present an idea and then there's this magical person that can implement the idea right that's always a that's always a good combo right there right mm-hmm. so that particular idea actually came to pass in a physical form um, the local maker movement and culture is very strong with tech shop now and we have uh, arch reactor and all kinds of great maker spaces right right so I was able to take parts of that idea without giving away the whole idea and find the person that could do the metal work and I could do the woodwork and I had done the design already so like within a couple of weeks we we had a, a, a prototype for this person. How it was awesome. cool. Yeah. And then is that the kind of thing that, I mean, does it eventually lead to maybe going to a company and saying, hi, have we got a, have we got a solution for sure. you? Or, you know, all the great marketing channels that are there now, you know, get something right. into the Apple store and you're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. That would be nice. And right? that particular idea might fit there, but I can't <laughs> say anything else. <laughs> okay. We, we won't <laughs> talk about our secret anymore. So, okay. I do have this other question for you. Mm-hmm. And that is you've worked with all these kids. Which kid just was like, like, this has blown my mind. Like, which kid did something that you were like, wow, that's fascinating. Oh gosh, this is going to be self-serving, but my son blew me away Good. when I was developing. I to be your son. <laughs> when, I, when I was developing the uh, classes, I had come up with this idea that I wanted to demonstrate that an RGB LED, which is red, green, and blue, right, that can be combined to make sixteen million colors. Um, I, I wanted to make focus a very early class on that because I just intuitively felt like that was going to grab them. So it was true. And I had built a very simple program that cycled through several different colors kind of slowly so you could see, you know, the change was abrupt and and it was easy to see. And I could tell that he was kind of like, well, that's pretty cool. But if we speed that up, that'd be a disco ball. So then I thought, oh, wait, I've got some little practice golf balls. So we put that on the LED and sure enough, we had a disco ball. So I I left him to it and uh, he was sort of like, well... Couldn't we cycle through and like fade between the colors? All these ideas just started popping for him. So I left him, I I gave him a little bit more detail on looping and kind of making values change over time. And I came back a little bit later and he had solved that. Not only that, but he went in the the cupboard and found a straw and put that on the LED and said, look, dad, it's a lightsaber. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So I was sufficiently blown away. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I have... Too many stories. I, But since he's my son, I have to use that one, right? Well, yeah. yeah. But I also know if the girl ever was able to make her lights for skating. Absolutely. Really? Yeah, and what, the, she ice skater or roller skater? Ice skater. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the follow-up class to the one that I taught was on wearable uh, technology, which built on the skills that they had learned in the science, but more strictly on creating. Okay, now what do you want to do with this? Okay. And so that was a, a natural fit for her. Wow, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So someday am I going to see Olympic skaters out there like, you know, just I would be amazed awesome. if we don't. It seems like a great application of the technology. Why not? You can hear the, the music and flash of the music, the motion. At yeah. least at the ice capades. Is that still around? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. It I'm seems like I would know that. that, but I might. <laughs> 
obviously my radar's not on the ice capades. So sorry, ice capades. If you're out there, give us a call. Let us know you're still there. Come on the podcast. What <laughs> there have you? Go. you. <laughs> so if um, if there's a kid out there or a parent out there mm-hmm. that would like to learn more, tell us where to find you. Well, makermakers.com. That's with an S. Makermakers. Um, but we're on Facebook also. And uh, there's an Etsy store that has some of my artwork and and work of other collaborations with other artists. Uh, But the description of the classes and the kits and things like that is at makermakers.com. Cool. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Craig, so much for being a guest today. Thank you. I'm thrilled. I super appreciate it. All right. And everybody out there, uh, make sure that you go to iTunes and subscribe to Mishmash, and we will catch you all next time. Thank you. 